I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up, going left side, watch Calvin, Enzo, got him, oh baby, that was a rocket! And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade, no one will catch him, touchdown! Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show. This episode brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. So, the Lions, still winners of two in a row. Kind of surprising. Also, not because of who they've played Jacksonville and Atlanta. Both teams, not good. Not good at all. One of them going to have a new coach next year. The other one, well, Doug Marone seems to be on thin ice. So, you know, not great. But we're going to move past that a little bit. We talked about that on Monday. And there are a couple of things I want to jump into today. It's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast, but we'll also see how I go. And don't forget, if you have questions for Wednesday's podcast, make sure to get them in. Shoot them to me on a Twitter with the hashtag Roth show, or I will end up retweeting some posts tomorrow that just leave it under there or leave it under, if you are on Twitter and see this, get this off of Twitter, leave it there. So, okay, we're going to hit on a couple of things today. So we'll just start this right off the top. And by a couple, I mean three. First, we're going to get into the spot of the ball and why... Lions fans need to kind of chill just a tiny little bit with this. I get the anger and the frustration, but just chill maybe for a second. The second thing we're going to get into is going to be, has Matt Patricia evolved? Is this possible? Did it happen? Did it happen over the bye? What's going on here? And then the third thing, which I wrote about on Monday on ESPN, and we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's podcast, is Kenny Galladay. And the very simple fact that they got to pay him. They got to pay him. Without a question, got to pay him. Got to pay him. So that's kind of today's show. That's what we're going to hit. And we're going to start a little bit with this spot or, you know, the anger over the spot being wrong. So, yes, there's very little question that... The referees screwed up. They made a mistake. They spotted the ball at the 11 when maybe it should have been at the 7 or the 8 for the final play, which led to the game-tying touchdown for the Lions against Atlanta. So, yes, it was an error. Yes, they could have fixed it. But understand that that moment was incredibly chaotic. It was 
all over the place. There were so many things going on from a review to a penalty to does there need to be a runoff? All of these things. And I understand why Lions fans are annoyed. I get it because it's not like you all don't have a history of having things not go your way. Whether it's a batted ball, whether it's what happened in Dallas in 2014, whether it's the 10-second runoff that happened the last time that you played Atlanta. So I get all of it. But you won the game. So maybe just chill for a minute. Like, don't freak out and lose your mind over this. Because you won the game. It's not like... There was a great injustice here. If anything, it might have given the Lions more room to work. And it doesn't seem like anyone in the Lions organization, at least publicly, is bothered at all by this because they understand that it was complete chaos there at the end. And anybody who watched that or, you know, probably on the sidelines, anything like that, the last minute and 12 of that game was complete chaos. There is no question on that. So, I guess I'm just saying people make mistakes. It happens. The Lions have benefited from these types of crazy things too, including against the Falcons when, don't forget, in 2014, the Lions maybe aren't in the situation they're in at the end of the season if what happens in Atlanta where Matt Prater's initial wide field goal doesn't get waved off because of a delay of game penalty. So remember all these things like before you're freaking out. I just wanted to say that because I get it. I mean, I'll be honest. I even reached out to the NFL today to kind of see what their thoughts were on it. I haven't heard back yet as of when I'm recording this podcast. So I at least am reaching out to see if the NFL has any sort of comment on it. And I know Mike Pereira, who now does this stuff for Fox as, as an analyst and was assigned to the Lions game. Basically, it seemed like he said on Twitter he, he didn't really have an explanation for it. But Matt Patricia was asked about it. And I'm going to read you what he said. Like, So he was asked about the difficulty of coaching in chaotic situations and the possibility of missing little things that could impact the outcome of a game like the spotted ball. Quote from Matt Patricia. Quote, the guys that were working our sideline, Mark, those guys were great. We had great communication. I thought those guys were doing a tremendous job and just keeping me informed. So really, I mean, I don't have anything to say on that at all. To be honest with you, I thought those guys did a great job. Then he was asked in a follow-up, does he have an explanation as to why this happened? Was maybe Kenny Galladay's knee down? Was there something that the officials saw? Anything at all? And here's what Patricia said. Quote, you know what? Just in the moment, as far as that's concerned... Obviously, a lot going on, so I really don't have anything for you right now. End quote. In other words, I don't really have anything to say. I won the game. Let's just move on here. Because there's nothing for the Lions to say at this point, other than maybe pointing it out to to New York, as they would point out other things that happen, and teams do this every week. So do I bet that it ends up on their list of like things that they point out to New York? Yeah, probably. But does it behoove the Lions to make any sort of deal out of it? Nah, it doesn't because you won the game. 
If you lost the game, I think that you could have made that argument. But again, this wasn't a field goal type situation where three yards could make a difference if you're looking at a 55-yarder versus a 58-yarder. This was, you know, 11 yards to 8 yards, and if anything, it gave the Lions a little bit more room to maneuver and a little bit more room to work, even though everyone kind of knew the ball was going to the end zone anyway. So maybe that's not the worst thing in the world that happened. So, listen, you can be upset. You can complain. I understand why you would. I do get that. I do understand it. I'm just saying it just, to me, it's not necessarily the best look. But if the NFL gets back to me, obviously I will tweet about it, maybe end up writing about it, and obviously we'll talk about that on the podcast as well. But the reality of the matter is this. The Lions won the game. Yeah, the officials screwed up. Yes, it happens sometimes. Everybody makes mistakes. Nobody is perfect. And to me, this, again, especially considering the outcome, neither team is complaining about it. I have a tough time, you know, getting up any sort of anger or rage or or even justified anything about that. We'll be back right after the break with the other two topics we said we'd hit on. Is Matt Patricia evolving? And... It's time to just pay Kenny Galladay. We'll be back right after this. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. And get, take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, you're online. Sportsbook experts. Welcome back. Hopefully you survived the front part of this podcast today. And we are digging in on the back end. And let's just start right here with... The real question of, is Matt Patricia evolving as a head coach and even more as a defensive play caller? Even though he's not technically the coordinator or calling the plays, but 
his fingerprints are still all over this defense. So that's a really good question because for the second week in a row, the Lions looked more like a balanced defensive team than one that was relying heavily on man. The Lions were 50-50 in zone versus man. This a week after they were 39% man and 60.9% zone. So that, and that was the most zone in a game that the Lions had run in Matt Patricia's tenure as a head coach. So what, what does this really mean? What does this really say? Last week when we talked about this, we wondered whether it was just game plan specific, trying to maybe confuse Gardner Minshew as a younger quarterback. Well, Matt Ryan is not a younger quarterback. Matt Ryan is a very good quarterback. Matt Ryan is a quarterback that has shredded the Lions and so many other teams in the past. Matt Ryan is a quarterback like Matthew Stafford that has seen basically everything. And what do the Lions do? 50-50. That's not bad. They were also a bit more aggressive when it came to the Blitz and it seems like they were much better when it came to pressure. It seems like they are being more aggressive. It seems like they are taking more chances. It seems like they're just trying more things. And you might say, well, where has this been? It's about time. And I would agree with you that at some point they needed to be more aggressive. At some point they needed to show a little bit more when it came to blitzing and when it came to just kind of going after a bunch of stuff. So just to be clear, what they were against Atlanta, they blitzed 25% of the time. That's a season high for them against the Falcons. And they had a 29.5% pressure rate. When they blitzed, they actually got pressure 45.5% of the time. That also, I believe, a season high for them. Those stats, as always, per ESPN stats and information. So... They're showing that they can be aggressive. And part of it is where they're blitzing from. It's not your traditional blitz with like your four linemen and your linebacker. They're dropping linemen into coverage. They're sending corners. They sent Daryl Roberts on a blitz. They're sending safeties. Tracy Walker has been a guy that they've sent a few times. They're absolutely sending linebackers as we're seeing. That's Jared Davis's primary role and frankly something he's been pretty darn good at as they're seemingly figuring out their personnel. And remember, this is also a team that's light on defensive ends slash edge rushers at this point. Trey Flowers and Romeo Aquara are basically it, and neither one of them played a massive amount of snaps against Atlanta. In fact, Trey Flowers only played 43 snaps, which is 57%. Romeo Aquara played 42 snaps, which is 56%. Who played more than them? Nick Williams, Danny Shelton, Deshaun Hand. Sean Hand played the same amount as Trey Flowers, but Nick Shelton, Danny Shelton and Nick Williams both played more. And there were packages where you saw Shelton, Hand, and Williams as their three down linemen. Now, that's a lot of beef up front, something that Todd Gurley alluded to in the post game when he said that he really had to earn every one of those yards and that they were really big and really tough up front. And when's the last time you heard that about the Lions? So it seems like things are starting to come together. Now, 
remember, this is Jacksonville and Atlanta. Two teams, not that good. But there's no question Atlanta's offense is good. And that, I think, is a sign that maybe this defense is starting to show something. Yes, there were major leaks, including on Atlanta's last drive of the game. Frankly, a drive that the Falcons had Todd Gurley fell four inches short, four inches closer to the field or, or four inches closer to where he tried to stop. We're having a much different conversation today. But there are signs that this defense is growing, that this defense is changing. So I asked Matt Patricia about this because I was really legitimately curious whether he felt he was kind of evolving a little bit as a head coach and if their defense was evolving. Here's what Matt Patricia said, quote, I think that's a great question because I would say through the years, I've probably run all different types of coverages. I think you always try to do the best of whatever is working for you, maybe that particular week, that particular game plan, or maybe with the different units that you have out there. We played it all. Our playbook is pretty thick, probably have just about every coverage I think you can think of in there. It's really just trying to do what we think is best that week from that standpoint. We'll always try to do what we think we can do to stop that opponent that week. So is it that much different? I don't know. I mean, the man for zone and the more aggressive play would indicate that it is. Is that just the two opponents that they're facing in Jacksonville and Atlanta? Maybe. We'll see what happens when they face Indianapolis this week because Matt Patricia's faced Phillip Rivers before. He's had success against Phillip Rivers before because don't forget the Lions won that game a year ago. So when he was with the Chargers. So we'll see. I, I think this is going to be another test. And if you see similar man versus zone stats, then I think you can say, yes, they are learning and evolving. Or maybe Corey Unlin is just starting to get more comfortable in his role as a play caller. And we're starting to see some of the influence he is having on calling a defense now that he's starting to maybe get a little bit more comfortable and that he maybe had that first month to really reflect and look back after the bye. Remember, after last week's win, Corey Undlin said, and he's talking later today on Tuesday, he came out and said basically, you know, and I absolutely believe he was joking, that, hey, we, we know you want to see more zone, so we played more zone. We know you want to see more pressure, so you did that too. Well, they've done it now for two straight weeks. So it seems like they at least are looking at their personnel and saying, all right, this might work for what you've got. It's one thing to do against Jacksonville, which has a few nice weapons on offense, but nothing really special. It's another to do it against Atlanta, which has a Hall of Fame receiver, a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback in Matt Ryan, and a really good running back in Todd Gurley. And oh yeah, Calvin Ridley, really good also. Hayden Hurst, again, a really good tight end. And... That's a potent offense that Atlanta has. And Detroit was able to at least do a little bit against them to stop them. Now, again, they couldn't stop two long drives that ended in touchdowns. And they were, you know, four or five, six inches away from Todd Gurley basically giving the Falcons a field goal opportunity to win the game. But they still also only held Atlanta to 22 points which isn't bad. And if you really think about it, if Atlanta had not had won the game, which would have been on a field goal, they would have held Atlanta 
to 17 points, which, frankly, at that point, you can kind of say, hey, where's the offense? Because you hold a team to 17 points, especially in today's NFL, especially in this year's NFL, frankly, you should probably win that game most of the time. So the defense, I thought, played well. And some of that, too, goes to what they're doing on the defensive line, where they're actually stopping the run, which they hadn't been able to do the first month of the season. Remember, the Saints just completely showed no respect to their run defense, and were able, they ran a toss to seal the game. They ran, it was on fourth and sixth. They ran right up the middle for a touchdown. But the last two weeks, it seems like the Lions have figured out a little bit more with their run defense. They've also, it seems like, figured out what they want to do with their rotations. All of these things, good. They're showing progress, and I think right now that's what you wanted to see from the Lions as they're still in this thing at 3-3, three and three, but you're starting to look at how they're playing certain guys. J. Ron Kirst has a little bit of a bigger role now. He played 41% of the snaps as the third safety behind Deron Harmon and Tracy Walker, right? Tracy Walker played 88% of the snaps. Deron Harmon played 92%. Their linebackers that they're going with right now seem to really be Jelani Tavai, Reggie Ragland, and Jamie Collins. That seems to be their main group, along with Christian Jones, depending on the formation. That seems to be their group. So they've and they've they're using Jerry Davis very much as a situational linebacker at this point. So they're also showing that they're going to play the players they think work the best, even though they love a guy like Jared Davis and they think they maybe have found a role for him, it's clear what they're trying to do at this point. Now, again, we've talked about it. What they do in the secondary is going to be pretty interesting when Desmond Trufant and Justin Coleman come back. I would imagine Justin Coleman slides right back into the lineup as the slot corner. Desmond Trufant's going to be a little bit more of a tricky conversation as we've talked about already on the podcast. But Again, I think this is all part of the evolution of Matt Patricia. And what I'd be really curious about and I'm planning on asking Corey Unglund about is how much influence he actually thinks he's had on maybe what the Lions are doing differently this year defensively. Which brings us to our last thing. Kenny Galladay. You know, we all thought this was going to get done in August. Everyone seemed to think it was going to get done in August, including, it seemed like, Kenny Galladay, who seemed confident that he would have a deal done. Taylor Decker got his deal done, and then it seemed like maybe Kenny Galladay would be soon right after that. Everything seemed to point that way. Well, it's now October 27th when you listen to this, and you know maybe between 8 p.m. here on the 26th and 6 a.m. or whatever time you're listening to this on the 27th, maybe they get a deal done with Kenny Galladay of which we would probably have another podcast episode. But they haven't gotten it done. Kenny Galladay, at least as of Sunday, he had said that they haven't heard much from the Lions, but of course that was right after the game, and who knows whether Kenny Galladay was really telling the truth there. But they need to pay Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay has shown that he is one of the better receivers in the NFL. He might be the best or second best contested catch receiver in the NFL. And that's not a knock on some of these other guys, but I think that just shows how good he really is. He has a clear rapport with Matthew Stafford. It's not quite at the level of Calvin Johnson yet, but I even asked Matthew Stafford about that. He said, "Ah, I don't really pay much attention to that and who I have rapport with, I've trusted all my guys. But it's clear there is a special level of connection between Stafford and Galladay, especially if you happen to listen to the way Stafford described the penultimate play of the game 
where Kenny Galladay cut the route inside to get in front of the safety, where Stafford knew exactly where he had to throw it. He said they were on the same page there. And frankly, that's only something that comes with time and with experience and with an immense amount of trust. Trust that Stafford definitely had in Calvin Johnson. Trust that I believe Matthew Stafford had in Golden Tate. And trust that I think he has in Marvin Jones. But you're wondering if, especially, or at least I'm wondering, with the the high level that Kenny Galladay is playing at, whether that trust is at maybe another level closer to Calvin Johnson than it is to what it was with Tate and Jones. And that level was pretty darn high. So I look at that and I say, well, that's one thing. I look at the next thing, which is Kenny Galladay at this point is scheme agnostic. I don't care what offense you put him in in the NFL. He's going to produce. I don't care if you put him in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. I don't care if you put him in the Andy Reid type tree offense. I don't care if you put him in the offense, the West Coast offense that Jim Caldwell used to run with, you know, Jim Bob Cooter. I don't care if you put him in the Saints type of offense where I think he would shine in a Michael Thomas type of role. I I don't care what offense you put him in. He will produce. He is that good of a receiver and he just knows how to make plays. So I think he's the type of guy that frankly you can sign and you can trust that whether Matt Patricia is the coach going forward or it's somebody else, they'll be able to make it work. Much like Taylor Decker, they will be able to make it work because Taylor Decker is a really good player. Kenny Gallaudet is a really good player and it goes back to the simple fact you don't get rid of your really good players. So yes, they can franchise tag Kenny Gallaudet. Maybe they will franchise tag Kenny Galladay, and that's a really good payday for Kenny Galladay for a year. But if you're the Lions, I think you want to try and lock Kenny Galladay up for the rest of the prime of his career. If you're Kenny Galladay, maybe you don't want that anymore. Maybe that is the rub. Maybe Kenny Galladay's asking price is too high because nobody is talking right now. And, and whenever you ask somebody about it, they kind of deflect the question or outright push the question back and say, no, nah, I'm not going to answer that. Like, that's just kind of where it is right now between both sides. Because Matt Patricia's not really talking about it. Kenny Galladay's not really talking about it. His agent hasn't returned any of my queries. Bob Quinn doesn't talk during the season. So, it's just a giant stalemate that, frankly, is going to get keep getting talked about until somebody talks and says something. Or they get a deal done. Here's something else that I want to point out. Because we're talking about Kenny Galladay and his ability as a contested catch receiver, which is one of his best traits. Never mind the fact that, you know, he's playing, he's had back-to-back 100-yard games. He's just making incredible catches week over week. But this is something that TJ Hawkinson said about Kenny Galladay when I asked him about kind of Galladay and 50-50 balls, contested catches. When the ball's in the air, it's not 50-50 with Kenny. Hawkinson said it's almost 100% to him. Okay, that tells you the level of confidence the Lions players have in him. Here's what Kenny Galladay said about contested contested catches. Quote, anytime the ball is in the air, I want it to be mine. It has to be mine. You know, I just got to make that play. I'm forever grateful when staff always gives me the opportunity to make the play. Again, The combination with Matthew Stafford, the rapport with Matthew Stafford, the trust with Matthew Stafford, and the playmaking of Kenny Galladay. Why would you want to lose that if you were the Lions? It's time to pay him. 
you know, and if he's asking too much, you figure it out, I guess. And maybe that's when you use the franchise tag. And maybe, again, maybe that's the issue where he's asking for, you know, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins money, where, frankly, as good as Kenny Galladay is, I wouldn't put him in that tier of receiver. At least not yet. He's probably got to go from six catches a game to nine or ten catches a game. But some of that is the way the offense is set up as well. But beyond that top tier, the Julio Joneses of the world, the DeAndre Hopkinses of the world, the Michael Thomases of the world, the Devontae, I would say put Devontae Adams in that class as well because I think Devontae Adams has the best release of any receiver in the NFL. Besides those guys... Kenny Galladay's right in there with that next group. Like with Keenan Allen, I think Kenny Galladay's right in there in that group. I'm going to throw a few more numbers at you too. So remember, Kenny Galladay has played in four games this year as opposed to other guys who've played in six or seven. Even with that, Kenny Galladay is still 40th in the NFL in receiving yards at 338. Now remember, he's played two fewer games. He is averaging, he's averaging 16.9 yards per reception. That's 11th in the NFL. He's averaging 14.46 air yards per target. That's 10th among receivers in the NFL. Behind, yeah, guys like DK Metcalf, Mike Williams, Hollywood Brown, Michael Gallup, and Calvin Ridley. Despite the high difficulty level of his catches, he has yet to be credited with a drop. 20% of his catches are receptions for 20, have gained 20 yards or more. 16 of his 20 catches have gone for first downs. He is just making plays. 12.1 yards per target. 14.46 air yards per, per target. He's being targeted on 24.3% of his route. So the Lions are focusing on him a ton now that he's back in the lineup. Kenny Galladay is a number one receiver. Kenny Galladay is one of the better receivers in the NFL. Makes plays week after week. There's no question about it. And the Lions have to figure out exactly how they're going to make him a Detroit Lion for a long time. Want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast episode. Want to thank my sponsors, Bet Online and Indeed. Want to thank y'all. Want to thank Blue Wire Podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Facebook at Mike Rothstein Journalist. You can download and subscribe our po- to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you happen to listen on Apple or iTunes, don't forget to maybe leave us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. Don't forget, if you have questions for the mailbag, drop them in tomorrow. Vaughn, still thinking about you every day, man. And with that, we will chat with you tomorrow.